the school is out. Which means it's time for Hi Kids. Welcome back to your favorite radio station on 101.9 Hi FM. You are listening to the Hi Kids show, a show for kids by kids. Good afternoon. Welcome to Hi FM. It's great that we could meet again. My name is Renelle Silverstone and I am 12 years old. And I'm your host for today. Thank you so much for tuning in to 101.9 Hi FM. Today, I have an exciting show lined up for you. And to start off, I will be interviewing Jenny Moodley from the Johannesburg Zoo. I also have amazing fun facts for you and a short poem by Margaret A. Savage. So stay tuned because you really don't want to miss this kids show. You're listening to Hi Kids on 101.9 High FM. My name is Renal Silverstone and I am 12 years old. You are still listening to Hi Kids on 101.9 High FM. Before I start with our interview with Jenny Moodley, our first fun fact for the day is Chinese history is all about dynasties. Each dynasty shows a period when a certain line of emperors ruled. The very first empire was the Qin dynasty and began in 221 BC. The last emperor was defeated in 1912 and China became a republic. They also invented toilet paper in the late 13,000s. But you only got this luxury if you were an emperor. Imagine, I would wonder what other people used if they were not emperors. But if you know the answer, please send them on 34519. And I also would like to introduce the tongue twister for today. It is Pig Band, Boom Band, Big Band, Broom Band. A bit later, I will repeat the tongue twister to see if you can say it faster than me in under 10 seconds. So keep listening. Before we start with the interview, I want to introduce to the new theatre called Kids Doing Amazing Things. When last did you do something great for someone dear to your heart? Once in a while, everyone wants to be cheered up. And a simple good morning or good afternoon and how are you today shows how much you care. It shows that you want to know how the next person's day is by simply going. I mean, we should all try to make the world a better place. And by cheering each other is the first step in taking care of one another. So today, I challenge all of you to greet and to ask your mommy or daddy or friend how their day has been. I also want to know how your day is going and how it has been. So SMS it on 34519. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Let's begin. Good afternoon, Jenny. How are you? Hello, and good to be in the studio again. Yes, it's lovely to have you back. What an honor to see you. Let's begin. (laughs) Absolutely. If we're talking zoo, I'm ever so ready to talk to you. Same. (laughs) Let's begin in, what is a zoologist? Well, a zoologist is somebody that takes care of the ecology of, uh, in our case, a city. So uh, somebody that's a zoologist will not necessarily but work in a zoo environment. They would have to qualify through a Bachelor of Science. And then if they want to progress, they'll have to, of course, go through various other 
tiers of study. So we're very fortunate that we have a few zoologists at the Joburg Zoo. I wish I was a zoologist. Um, unfortunately, I didn't know anything about zoology. It's never too late. Never too late. You're quite right. <laughs> uh, and, you know, it's such an interesting field. We've seen um, young students very interested. And the nice thing about the Joburg Zoo, it gives you an opportunity to learn about uh, what zoology is about. It gives you the, a small little window into seeing what uh, zoologists do at the zoo. Um, how important it is to manage animals. We, you also get to uh, realize if you have a fit in terms of if you decide to t take up this career. So for us, it's a wonderful opportunity to engage with the youth, to get them into the zoo, to get them to engage with our animals. We have over 334 species at the zoo. That's over 3,500 animals. So it's a wide variety, including the big five that you can come to the zoo, you can volunteer. We've got a program where you get your parents to sign and get you onto uh, a week's holiday program. You could come through with your school. You could uh, be an official uh, weekend volunteer. And that would be everything from basic picking up litter to picking up poo. Wow. So, and, and, and it's sometimes tiger poo, so it's not any poo. <laughs> so we'd like to encourage uh, our residents, especially our young, to start thinking about these sort of careers. Uh, we definitely need more people playing a more active role, especially in the environment. We're seeing with the climate change issues how the young are coming to the fore. They're realizing that this is their future as well, that they too need to make a difference and that they too can contribute. So for us, we uh, we encouraging that. We also have uh, for indigent schools, schools that cannot afford a visit to the zoo, we have a program called the Masimbambisani. We provide transport, we provide a little meal, and kids come in there, um, we waive the entrance fee, they spend the whole day, they go home, and uh, the interesting thing is it also becomes part of the school curriculum. Um, they get to paint a picture or they might write an essay about their visit. And so often we find that these little seeds are starting to reap some sort of benefit because kids are becoming more in tune with the environment. They understand the value of an environment. When I was young, of course, um, not many people taught us about the environment. Yes, we did our biology in class, um, and our life sciences, I think that's what you call it nowadays, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, we did that, but uh, it, it didn't express the real need of why we need to look after the environment. But more and more as urbanization is becoming a problem, as population densities increase, zoologists are more and more relevant. And we believe that in, when you visit the zoo, you're actually taking the first steps into becoming eco-conscious. So we're very excited to get lots and lots of youth visiting the zoo. Wow. And how old are the volunteers? Well, they vary. You could get a volunteer all the way in grade four, um, and they would come through. They, we have the Eco Warriors program, so they would become an Eco Warrior. Uh, they have a special person that walks them through the zoo. As part of the whole, um, uh, we have a fee, of course, if you want to be an eco-warrior, so you sign up the, 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 the form to enroll as an eco-warrior. You get a special T-shirt. 
and you get an entry pack. And this allows you a few sessions in the zoo with a dedicated person. The nice thing about it is you also get to make friends. So it's not just two people. It's a group of 20 sometimes of young kids coming together, walking around the zoo, having fun at the same time. And that's the nice thing about environmental education. You can have fun. Wow. (laughs) And what is a spokesperson? Oh, that's me. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's basic, basically somebody who's a generalist So somebody who needs to know at least a little bit about whatever happens in your organization So you would basically share this as part of uh, our education programs As part of community, engaging with the community And just strengthening our relationships with the community by being by sharing some of what happens in my organization it's not limited to just sharing all the positive stuff as you know we deal with a lot of the negative stuff also we dealt with the elephant issue you recall the elephant issue yes. <laughs> lots of people didn't want to see lamy in the zoom and we glad that um there was many more that actually wanted to see Lamy at the zoo. So Lamy now has got two new companions, and she's quite a happy girl. She's a whole 40 years old. Uh, wow. <laughs> and, and she's coping extremely well. So, of course, a spokesperson has to say why we decided that elephants have a right fit at the Joburg Zoo and why the Joburg Zoo is a good zoo. And why we, and what we are doing to make sure that Lummi is taken care of, that she's well nourished, that we take, we, we've got a veterinary hospital at the zoo. So we need to share this with our community and our residents to allay any concerns. But we're also dealing with other big issues. We've got protest actions sometimes in some of our parks where people are looking for work or jobs. And as part of the cap- uh, capital programs, where we, when we build a new park, we need to make sure that we encourage communities to participate as part of our job creation targets for that. Uh, we're dealing with issues in, in a lot of the northern suburbs. You've got a tree, a beetle that's infested the tree, and it's called the polyphagus shuttle borer. So it's a little ant-sized beetle. It eats its way or tunnels its way into the bark of a tree. It's not the beetle itself. That attacks the tree It's that fungus on the beetle But what happens It's like A tree is like a hose pipe right? The nutrients go from the root system Up to the top So every time the water is not flowing Through this tree or the nutrients There's die back on the top And over time a tree will die Now many trees I've got a sticker on it In, the, in your northern suburbs particularly It says PSHB Polyphagus shot hole borer And that those trees are basically affected by this little beetle. So as the spokesperson, I need to educate residents on what they can do, that they should make sure that there's no chemical solution for this, but keep your tree nourished. There's no way we can rid ourselves of this beetle. It's yet to stay. It's an invasive beetle. If we have to treat it with harsh chemicals, we could kill the bees. And you know how important bees are, right? So we're saying to mommies at home and daddies, don't overreact. Please don't Treat these trees with very harsh chemicals You will impact on the environment um, Let's protect the trees That are still green As much as that they are infested Only take down dead trees So tree where it's stone cold dead It's absolutely dead branches Take it, make sure it's properly covered And leave it in the sun And the sun itself will what we call solarization 
so it stagnates the or um, stifles the beetle, and of course the beetle then succumbs, and we then have a, a dead wood that you can use for fires and so on. So again, that's what a spokesperson has to do. But I have fun at the same time. <laughs> so we host uh, we hosting events. So I get to go to our events as well. I invite um, the, the the media. Um, I basically, um, um, I would, uh, if there's any concerns happening at an event, I will facilitate that. So there are various other things, but we need to be the sound, uh, or the, um, ear for the organization, the eyes and the ears. So if anything's going to happen or we think there's a potential risk, then that's what we do. We alert our principals. It's very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> And what's the difference between a zoologist and a spokesperson? Well, I, uh, for me, I handle not just the zoology component of Joburg City Parks and Zoo. I also handle the parks issues. Under Joburg City Parks and Zoos, we have cemeteries. So I deal with all the cemetery issues. As you know, West Park Cemetery has got some concerns regarding uh, burial space. So we are encouraging communities to consider second burial options in the same grave. So, as I said, it's not just limited to uh, animals and plants, but it's more far-reaching. And it's an interesting, interesting job. Wow. Well, I am learning a lot about this, and we are going to learn a lot more after the song. You're listening to Hi Kids on 101.9 High FM. This is Hi Kids for Kids by Kids. My name is Renal Silverstone, and I'm your host for today. Before we carry on with our interview, I have a poem called When the World Turned Upside Down. And here it goes. The day when the world turned upside down, when a frown became a smile and a smile became a frown, when the mice chased the cats, the cats, the cats chased the dogs, the dogs laughed out loud at the pink and yellow frogs, when you went to bed in the daytime and got up at night, when birds caught the school bus and the cows took flight, when the moon came out in the middle of the day, and all of the ocean's fish rolled around in the hay. When the children ruled the world, and ice cream was for free, and the elephants shrank to the size of a flea. When the grass rained lollipops up to the sky. When you wanted to laugh, but could only cry. When magic beans were real, and giants very small. You would eat spider legs, so you could creep up the wall. This all happened when the world turned upside down after I went to bed, with a smile, not a frown. A poem by Margaret A. Savage. Thank you for listening to my poem. Remember, if you have poems of your own, you can always SMS them to 34519. And remember to always sign your name. Let's carry on with our questions with Jenny Mooley. If you have any questions for her, you can send them to our line 34519. Five one nine, and I'm sure she would be delighted to answer them. All right. What did you study to become a spokesperson? Okay, so it's a, it's very important that you start off with your grounding. I did a public relations first, uh, and then I went into pub, the public sector and vits. I did my uh, public communications. So um, I, f I came up to Joburg. I started to work for the city of Joburg, and of course. Um, 
uh, ended up in the marketing department. I didn't have a communications qualification at that stage. And my boss was uh, had amazing insight and foresight. And he said, would you like to study further? And he put me on an accelerated program. So it's very important to get a mentor as well. And I was very fortunate to have people like him in my life. And, uh, and, and this is what I say to many people. Find people that you can aspire to. Find people that you can resonate with. And if you find your niche, you will know what you want, even as young as 12. So I say, uh, do your research. We all have access to in the internet nowadays. Look at um, some of the uh, programs that, uh, that encourage various different careers. There's just so much to be done, especially here in South Africa. And we need our youth to stay and do more. Absolutely agreed. <laughs> and do you have to love animals to become a zoologist spokesperson or someone, you know? Well, let me tell you, I didn't even have my own dog till I was uh, much, much right past high school and so on. And only when I joined the zoo, the, the zoo did I realize that they are just amazing creatures. They're so human-like. You can't help but fall in love with them. So I say, you know, especially somebody that doesn't have a voice, that doesn't talk, you need to act for them. You need to be their voice. And so that's what the zoo gives me, an opportunity to act on behalf of the animals, to speak on their behalf, to make sure that their rights are protected and that their well-being is of paramount importance. So it's an interesting job. It gives you purpose. And I find that quite often that uh, I wake up in the morning and I wake up with purpose. And when you know you're doing something and you're doing it for the greater good, that can be extremely rewarding. And that's what we want to encourage people. Find that niche. Find where you can contribute. And you could be anything, anywhere in the world. And you could still contribute. You just need to do that for yourself sometimes. Absolutely agreed. <laughs> and... What is the difference between a zoologist and a vet? Okay, so basically many people start off on the same, studying the same. Uh, they start with probably some would enter through the uh, me medical school. Others would go through uh, uh, the normal BSc program, right? But at some point, a vet, um, a vet is... Uh, uh, goes through the BSc program. He's not a quality. Well, people offer they have this uh, um, dispute happening in the industry. Is a vet a medical practitioner? They still are allowed to use the doctor, the PH, the doctor, but they don't have a PhD. So it's important to know the difference. Uh, we, our vets, we refer to them as doctors. We have a few vets at the zoo. They're very qualified. They've been in the industry for many, many years. Uh, and um, as professionals, we re refer to them as doctors. We have a veterinary hospital where they are based at. Uh, we also have a wonderful facility, which is a quarantine facility at the Joburg Zoo. So, for example, if we have animals at the OR Tambo that has been uh, confiscated, they don't have their proper permits, they're being illegally uh, smuggled out of the country and so on, and we've had a few reports of that, we would then deploy a vet 
together with the inspectors from, let's just say, the NSPCA. They would then end up or uh, arrive at OR Tambo after receiving a report of an illegal consignment. A vet then will take charge of these animals. We would look at the uh, the state of the animals. We would bring them into the Joburg Zoo where we have a quarantine facility. We would then put them into quarantine for a whole 30 days. And only if we know that they are not uh, in a position where we can uh, redirect them or uh, send them to a sanctuary or basically uh, they need added help in terms of their well-being, we would then, the vet will then intervene. So... A vet is an extremely important part of a zoo. We have a few vets at our Joburg Zoo, and every one of them is committed, and they are on call 24 hours a day. So that's one of the joys of being in that profession. Our animals need, like a sick sick person, animals too sometimes need after-hours care. And where do you get the animals from? Well, most of our animals are, over time, was acquired at the Joburg Zoo. So we would uh, do an exchange program. For example, we are members of what we call the World Association of Zoos and Aquariums. So we would also liaise or negotiate with a WASA member, which means another zoo that is WASA accredited. Unfortunately, we have good zoos and bad zoos. And if you're a good zoo, the, the one of the criteria is you cannot source an animal that, uh, for example, was born outside captivity. Uh, only you, all zoos are only allowed to bring in animals that have been born in captivity or been injured and are unable to cope in the natural or the in the wild. So we would then have to bring them into the zoo environs. So hence. Uh, we get most of our animals through acquisitions and partnerships, but we've also had births at the zoo. For example, we've got four new tiger cubs. Uh, they were born to Mum Ganesh, and they are now fairly big girls. They're all four girls, and I saw them on Sunday, and I must tell you, they are still very playful. So all our animals, we would then take two of the cubs, and after a while, uh, we would ex- do an exchange program with another Waza member, another good zoo. And this is to make sure that there's no inbreeding in terms of genetics. It's very important. We've seen a lot of um, concerns around, for example, white lion breeding. Uh, these uh, lion breeders would uh, bring in a white lion, and sometimes um, the, the genetics, there's a genetic disorder. And some of these lions, unfortunately, are born disabled and so on. And the Joburg Zoo then has taken care of one of them, and we've now got them in a sanctuary. So besides us having a Joburg Zoo in the heart of Joburg here in Saxon world, we also have what we call a sanctuary. Uh, it's a nature conservation area. It's over 800 hectares, and it's in Paris. So not many people know Joburg Zoo has a sanctuary fairly far out outside Joburg in Paris, in the Free State, and we would then, where animals need to go in for rehabilitation and so on, we would take these animals. So right now we have the lion there, we have two other lions at the sanctuary. Uh, similarly, we are growing our own agriculture and our food so we can become a more less dependent on purchasing uh, material, uh, um, uh, food for our animals. We're growing our own vegetables. Um, we know that animals also th- th- need additional food. And um, 
the Joburg Zoo is accelerating its food program. Um, having said that, again, um, we'd like to encourage people to visit us, view those websites. We've got lots of interesting information happening, lots of events, and we are at this environmental education program that we really want everybody to enjoy and to be part of. Wow. And what is the smartest animal at the zoo? You know, at some point we had the tweeting badger. <laughs> no. We had we had a handle, and it was uh, the badger, the tweeting badger, and he was funny, and uh, we had a dedicated person tweeting on their behalf. But, you know, the, everyone's got their own uniqueness. Elephants remember a lot. Uh, you know, they've... they've, they've Definitely uh, don't forget a, s- a s- smell or sense or an experience. Uh, we have, um, uh, uh, you know, other animals that you you could ne- they remember and recall the, uh, the uh, their caregivers. So they've got an extremely amazing bond with some of these caregivers. So they're so human-like. So it's hard to say one is much more cleverer than the other. We do have some that want to um, that that want to perform when they see some of our visitors, and we remind our visitors that we're not a circus; we're a zoo. So not all the time will you see animals when you come in after hours. Some of them are very nocturnal, especially when we're having the heat wave. So when you go into the zoo, don't always expect um, you know the chimp to be overly active. They need to rest too. The heat can be a little bit too much. Thankfully, we have what we call night rooms and cooling areas. So if you uh, are an animal, you would have an area where you can go into to cool off. And, uh, for example, our crocodiles love the heat and love the sun, right? But in winter, it is fairly cold. So in their enclosure, we have spotlights, red lights, we have heaters. And in the, in the winter time, it's amazing to see how they all huddle together and they're just enjoying that close bond and the heat because that's what they require and they stay in a particular part where they don't generally uh, venture outside the, the, uh, in, into the open space. They prefer to be in the enclosed area. So animals have a whole set of unique behaviors and I, I must get my, my animal person in place to talk to you about some of the funny experiences we've had at the zoo. Wow. I have learned a lot, a lot, a lot about this, about animals, zoos, spokespersons, zoologists, and I hope you also learned a lot. Oh, absolutely. Before we put a song, our second fun fact of the day is, the Chinese invented kites about 3,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. Amazingly, they were used to frighten enemies in battle. It was considered bad luck to purposely let a kite go. But now we play with them for fun. I know I learned a lot today. I did and too. And I hope everyone else also did. Thank you so much to my guest, Jenny, and to my producer, Senna and DJ Flo for pushing the big red buttons. Thank you so much for listening to the High Kids Show, a show for kids by kids, only on 101.9 High FM. Join us tomorrow with another amazing guest, stories, fun facts, and even more fun till we meet again right here on 101.9 High FM. Goodbye, kids. Have a super duper day.